Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm very excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you. I wrote about the CBA today, so I don't have to talk about the CBA today. That's the way I think about it sometimes. Uh, But I was actually having this interesting conversation with myself, as happens from time to time. And I thought, you know, I think Colorado Rockies fans might be interested in this conversation as well. And if you've clicked on this, you already know the headline was, or is, (laughs) who is the Colorado Rockies MVP? And there's a couple of different ways I want to think and talk about this. And it's funny because this is, of course, a very strange time to be having this conversation, right? But we actually, we do this all the time. We we talk about MVPs and All-Stars. And really, the only time you can really determine who's an All-Star is, well, when it's time to finish voting for All-Stars. Or who's an MVP? You don't know until the end of the season, right? And so there's that whole kind of talk. But I was thinking more spiritually, if you will, more existentially when it comes to the Colorado Rockies In other words, who is their best player right now? Their most valuable on-field asset right now, now that we are clearly and completely out of the era of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. Because that's one of the interesting things about this ball club, and there are many interesting things about this ball club, whether they make you happy or make you sad might be an entirely different conversation, but certainly there's a lot about this team that is truly and utterly fascinating. One is that despite the fact they've never been consistently successful or competitive, they've always had superstar players, usually more than one, right? Any era of Rockies baseball that you can think of has been defined by a couple of truly legitimate star level players, whether it was the Blake Street Bombers and that era with Larry Walker, Ellis Burks, Dante Bichette, Andre Scalaraga, or you think about the time when it was Todd Helton and Larry Walker. Even when it was Todd and the Toddlers, you know, Matt Holliday was an MVP candidate, right? Then you go into that next era, which really became the Cargo Tulo era, two very legitimate, when they were healthy, elite major league baseball players. The problem with them is they were rarely healthy at the same time or just in general. And so then we've had this last era defined by Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, I guess to a lesser extent, guys like DJ LeMayhew and John Gray who are now out the door, but still these kind of pillars of of the identity of the team, right? And it's interesting to look at the current roster and see a lot of intriguing players a lot of potential talent, and we know that they're limited, of course, but not really see that guy, right? There isn't, so let's start with Charlie Blackman, because I think that's where you've got at the very least stay. Let's get one designation out of the way. Who's the captain of the Colorado Rockies? Charlie Blackman, no question. You You can maybe say Kyle Freeland on the pitching side, if you want to separate things out a little bit there. But Charlie Blackman is one of the greatest Rockies of all time. He's got the tenure. He's been around. And while, you know, this last season wasn't his best at the dish, and that's why, to some extent, I I, I think, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's now on the other side of 35. Hey, (laughs) me too. I know the feeling. And the bat hasn't been elite, 
at least the the way when you know he was earning some legitimate MVP attention during the 2017 campaign. He's he's I think clearly on the other side of that. Though I am of the belief that a move to semi regular appearances at designated hitter could get more out of Charlie, and I, and I think there's definitely a resurgence of the bat in there. But players don't usually, you know, have their best seasons at age 36, 37. But I do think you can take some of that weight off of him if, if he doesn't have to play quite so much defense. And it does happen. We know that there are times, there are those examples of guys who, you know, figure something out in their later years and really do manage to get the best out of the final years of their career. That said, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Charlie Blackman has been the best on-field player for the Rockies in either of the last two seasons, and it would be a a well-outside-the-box prediction to think that he's going to be that in 2022. I don't think it's necessarily impossible. I wouldn't be like, you know... (laughs) otherworldly shocked, but I don't expect it. So he will remain the sort of spiritual and on-field leader. He's gotten better at this over the course of his career. It's something he's talked about, been very open about. You know, vocal leadership didn't come necessarily supernaturally to him. It's something he's had to work on and, and really think about and do more over the years and he has and I think he's going to continue to do that and and be a really great leader for this largely otherwise very young team though before we get to the young players while we're on the position side here you're saying well if Charlie Blackman wasn't the most valuable hitter for the Rockies last year who was this guy named CJ Crone newcomer first baseman large man and large home run hitter C.J. Crone paced the team comfortably with his 130 OPS plus, his uh, home runs led the team, his RBI led the team, all of that stuff. And so this is another interesting case, right? Because we only have one year of C.J. Crone in a Colorado Rockies uniform. And it was a very, very good year, but it was also a career year. For CJ Crone. And it's always tricky to predict that someone's going to follow up a career year with another <laughs> career year, especially, you know, age. Again, he's he's not quite up to where Blackman and where, you know, he's at 32 years old. So th- there should still be plenty of it's always a loaded term to use in baseball, but still plenty of juice left in those legs and in that bat and all that. The, the good kind, you know, just, just energy in him. But hard to say. Uh, you know, baseball reference had him at 3.4 wins above replacement last year. I would be surprised if he does that again, but a two and a half or three win season, you know, 20 homers. 80 RBI plus maybe, you know, a lot of the RBI stuff depends on who's getting on base in front of him, all those things that, you know, he had 92 last year, but I think, you know, he could do a hundred RBI if the team is, is better off. And there's also room for him to get better because he had a really bad first month. Uh, despite the fact that he ended up being comfortably the best hitter on the team, he was not especially good for the first month in Colorado. And so you could say, 
well, shoot, this is weird. Their MVP is a first baseman, which is super frustrating, by the way, for those of you who, of course, have followed like the whole history arc of this team because they've had these great first basemen. Talked about Galarraga and Helton, mentioned them already, right? But during this last era, when they were competitive but not as competitive as they could or should have been, first base became this massive problem. And it was you know, Ian Desmond and... Daniel Murphy and whoever they could find to try to get him in there. And now all of a sudden they have this guy that just would have been the absolute perfect complement to that team. Like the guy, they have CJ Cronin, but I actually have written this article before another time in another place in another life um, about how CJ Crone could have taken that Nolan Arenado led team and made them legitimate World Series contenders. So. It's kind of frustrating that he's here now, but it's better that he's here now than not here now, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But again, hard-pressed to call him the team's MVP, even though he very much was last year. He very much was last year, even over their lone all-star, Armand Marquez. Because, and I'm going to go over to the pitching side for just a minute now, because Marquez should be all around, if you don't want to split it, the team's MVP. He's got the most legitimately elite talent on the team. I've I've said this before about Herman Marquez, and he's very much aware of it. Not that I've said it, though I think he's aware that I've said it too. But he's, he's aware that it's true, frankly, that there are, is a really frustrating missing component to his game that is difficult to put your finger on. It's It has nothing to do with his technique or his ability. His stuff, as they call it, right? The just measurables of his pitches. The fastball that touches 97, 98, but sits very comfortably at, at 96 with all kinds of movement. His Breaking pitches are some of the most devastating right-handed breaking pitches, the slider and the curve in the game. The amount of torque and spin and movement and depth and the fact that he can change the velocity on his slider and curveball. Like he can take off 8 to 10 miles an hour or add that to make it more of a power curveball or a power slider that works more as a cutter. And he can take some off that. So you he produces some of the ugliest swings of any starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. And when he dominates, when he's really on, he can dominate anybody. And he has. He's gone through incredibly talented lineups like a hot knife through butter. There's nothing he's not capable of doing that if he did it on a consistent basis, he should be a top five Cy Young contender. He should be, well, I mean, he should be a Cy Young contender. He should absolutely be in that conversation. The problem is that he has these games, these individual blowups that aren't even like, oh man, he gave up five runs and in five innings or whatever. That happens to just about everybody. That'll happen to Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw and those guys maybe two or three times a year, right? But Marquez has these, like, 
two-inning, three-inning games where he gives up eight or nine runs. And he'll have two or three of those a year. And, of course, that on top of all the other games where he'll give up some cheap runs he otherwise shouldn't, even when he's dominating at Coors Field, will inflate his ERA, which is like why it's at 420 for his career, instead of the 380 or 390. That still wouldn't look elite in other places in baseball, but truly would be when you understand Coors Field. You know, the the and he did it last year after being an all-star, after looking like he was really going to maybe finally have put together that complete and consistent season, he really fell off in the second half and had several of those blow-up outings and ended up with a 440 ERA and a 108 ERA plus. That's actually below his career ERA plus of 115. So despite the fact that it was his first appearance as an all-star, it wasn't even his best season. Now at 27 years old, Armand Marquez really, really ought to be able to do this. And I, I, I paused there because saying ought to be able to do it is such a ridiculous thing. I don't know how you measure. I don't know how you evaluate. I know how you evaluate consistency just by saying he hasn't been consistent, right? But I don't know what makes that player take that step. I don't know if it's a mental thing, if it's a physical thing. If it's an approach thing, if it's a game plan thing, but Armand Marquez has been on the brink of true greatness for like three years, and I've been so ready for him to just become one of those guys, and it keeps not happening, that I'm not quite sure what to do with them. Like I said, if you were just to line these guys up like on MLB The Show or something, or if you're just rating all of their individual skills, and for the pitchers, it's going to be their location, their velocity, their movement, you know, and then other things like just looking at their statistics, strikeout rates, stuff like that. For hitters, power, contact, speed, defense, those kinds of things. Marquez has the best tools on the team, but... He hasn't yet been the team's MVP. He should be. And I would very much like for him to be this year because I'd like to watch that. I'd just like to. It's really been since 20, well, 2017, Kyle Freeland did it, but in a very different kind of way. In a way that I love and, and I've defended a lot before, but guys make more contact on Freeland. It's part of his game. He would roll up a ton of double plays. He would work out of jams. He would pump his fist. Always fun to watch Kyle Freeland pitch. But it's been since 2010 that we've seen a pitcher for the Rockies who could go out there and potentially throw a no-hitter at any given time. Marquez has done flirted with it twice. Once in San Francisco, once in Denver. Thrown a one-hitter complete game shutout. Like he's, again, that's like the perfect microcosm for his entire career. Like that one single is representative of that one thing, whatever it is that's holding him back from that moment of having actually secured the no-hitter, which he's going to do at some point. He's going to throw this no-hitter. But more importantly, that season where he's striking out double-digit guys regularly, everyone's afraid to face him. He's a no-question, no-doubt all-star, and he's getting a legitimate 
Cy Young votes at the end of the season. It's all in there for Marquez. I've predicted or, or at least said it was possible to happen and hoped for it for the last couple of years. It's on the table again. We're all just going to have to watch and find out because it's all there. You do have Kyle Freeland right there who quietly ended up having a better season overall than Armand Marquez. And as I've talked about before, he carries a kind of captainship with him as well. He's much more naturally, I think, a vocal leader and a leader by example with the way he carries himself, the way he talks to the media, the way he goes about his business between the lines. You know, you you ask anybody in the Rockies clubhouse or organization about Kyle Freeland, you know those big word clouds where you see a lot of different words, but if you were talking to people and certain words that are used more are bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Competitor would be right there in the middle of your giant word cloud about Kyle Freeland. It's all everyone talks about with this guy because it's true. And that has a tendency, I think, to get the most out of the guys around him. And, you know, Austin Gomber has been very open about saying, yes, that was really important for me coming in here to this place and, and getting to talk to him and getting comfortable with what I do here and, and seeing the way that he competes and raises the bar and as a fellow left-handed pitcher and all of those types of things. So you've got that going on. So let's get back to the question, but reframe it a little bit differently. Because who was the Rockies MVP last year? Well, it was C.J. Crone. But who's the Rockies MVP right now? Or, to put it another way, who do I think is going to be the Rockies MVP in 2022? And those of you who know me well uh, could probably predict this answer coming for the two really intriguing, super talented infielders who just haven't quite gotten there yet. The safer bet, oddly enough, still for me, is Ryan McMahon. And I hope at least one person out there has been listening long enough to me and and reading my stuff that they're laughing and going like, okay, really? Third year in a row, you're going to tell us this is the year Ryan McMahon becomes an all-star? He almost did it last year. He was on the brink. He got out hot. And I always think he's going to be a little bit of an up and down, a streaky hitter. That's always been a part of his game, quite frankly, even in the minors. But he, there's still more he can iron out there. But he's shown everything now at this level other than consistent contact over the course of an entire season. For a month or two, he can do it. The slugging is there, the power is there, the exit velocity is there, and even the approach has gotten much better as his walk rate and on-base percentage goes up year after year. Of course, the huge revelation for Ryan McMahon this past season was that he became a truly elite defender at two different positions in an obvious way. That kind of thing really raises a player's confidence. It was something that happened to Nolan Arenado in his first year at the Bigs. People had no idea. Believe it or not, people had no idea how good he was defensively. This is actually true of both of these guys. 
Arenado, when we talked about him as a minor leaguer, it was so much about his bat, which was an extraordinary contact bat, which everyone believed had the opportunity to turn into more power. And of course, that's exactly what happened with him offensively. But defensively, that wasn't a huge part of his profile coming up. Similarly with McMahon, it wasn't something where it was talked about, hey, this guy could be a gold glover. And quite frankly, he should have won the gold glove at third base last year. According to all of the statistics, which I'm not a huge fan of judging defense entirely by statistics, but when you're overwhelmingly, like he was, he put up more DRS at third base than anybody else, despite the fact that he played far less time at third base because he was also getting a bunch of time at second base where he was putting up more DRS than anybody except for like one or two players. Like He was not just the best third baseman defensively in baseball last year. He was the best second baseman defensively in baseball last year. And this was coming into this season with a bit of a question mark from some people anyway. I, I knew he was a great athlete and I knew he was a smart and capable player. I expected him to always be an above average defender wherever you put him. I did not see that coming right he 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 truly became arguably the best defender in baseball now can he maintain that pace while also getting better offensively that's a very difficult thing to be able to do right but once you've shown you've got that skill and maybe once you get locked in at one spot which I think is going to happen because of the other player I'm about to talk about you put him at third base Say, do that. You clearly know what you're doing. Do it and do it well. And let's spend some time in the cages. And let's just fit because he is right there, man. The he's gonna be a 20 plus home run guy. That he's done this twice now. That's not a question. It's can he get to 30, right? Can he hit 280 or 270 instead of 250? Can he strike out 22? four percent of the time instead of 28 or 30 percent of the time these are the little things that are going to take him from being essentially a league average hitter now and and he took that step forward too by the way i will say you know his ops plus was the highest it's ever been this last year it just didn't become star level right but you see it in there he was a superstar for the first month and a half of last season and then you know pitchers adjust He's still a young player in this game. It was still only his second full season of Major League Baseball. And so, yes, I've done it before, but I'm doing it again. I actually, if I had to put money on it, I would bet that Ryan McMahon will be the Colorado Rockies best player in 2022. But the biggest caveat to that, honestly, as much as, again, I'd love to to bet on Marquez, it's Brendan Rodgers. Now, the reason I'm picking McMahon over Rodgers is like some philosophical, hippy-dippy, mumbo-jumbo, old-school baseball nonsense. Sophomore slumps do appear to be a thing. <laughs> I just watched Trevor Story go through it not that long ago. You know, it, it, it happens to guys with a lot of talent and a lot of buzz as prospects, and then... You know, you come up and and Rogers had such an uneven and in a lot of ways unfair because of injury, you know, start to his career. 
And those first hundred at-bats just looked so terrible that a lot of Rockies fans gave up on them, some people. But I promised you the people in the game still know and knew what this kid was capable of. So when he started really getting into it and showing everybody this last year, it was a aha, there it is type of moment, right? Okay, we see it. We see Rodgers now consistently hitting, hitting on the road, which is something I'm going to pay very close attention to this next upcoming season because if that proves to be a thing, not just a random sample size, he happened to hit decently on the road last year for a couple of months, but if Brendan Rodgers can hit on the road, that's a game changer. That's that's enormous. But at this point, no one contains more untapped potential that we have not yet seen at the major league level than Brendan Rodgers. He could take a huge step backward this year. He could need to be sent back down to the minor leagues to iron things out because the book has been written on him and major league pitchers figure you out and you need to change your approach. Though a lot of his ability really is so natural and quick with that swing and and certain elements of his game that I just don't see it happening. It could be a rough start, you know, but there's real star potential in there. Very real star potential to have a second baseman who hits you 25 plus home runs, who has the, the quality on base percentage and batting average, plays above average defense and really steps into his own as a ball player. And I, I, I think it's all there for him. I, I think because we've seen less, it's sort of like I'm more confident in Ryan McMahon because I see a higher floor because we've seen more of him. But the opposite argument is true of Brendan Rogers, where because we've seen less of him, there's more to find out. There's more to wonder on. There's more to think that he could be a franchise level difference maker. And I will tell you this as somebody who followed the minor league career of Trevor story very, very closely, he was not considered to be that type of player. He was never thought of as a minor leaguer, as a superstar. There were a lot of people who thought, yeah, he's going to be pretty good. And I thought he was going to be pretty good. I've outed myself a lot by saying I my favorite comp for him when he was in the minors was I thought he was going to be like a rich man's Clint Barmas. In other words, he was a very good athlete. His defense was fantastic. He seemed to have pop, <laughs> clearly. Uh, you know, So I was like, hey, this is going to be a guy who hits 20 home runs, maybe steals 20 bases because he was this great athlete, plays fantastic defense, but he's going to strike out way too much. He's going to hit you know, 230 for his career and be just one of these guys whose main quality comes in, in defense and athleticism. It turned out he figured out how to hit just enough. Strikeouts were still a problem for him throughout his Rockies career. But those home runs were it just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot more of them than I thought he was going to hit. You know, so that and the very same thing could be the case here, I think, with Brendan Rodgers. Uh, the difference being that he's much more hyped as a prospect. He actually comes with quite a bit more pedigree and much better career minor league numbers than Trevor Story ever put up. And so, you know, I know we're living in this era where it's very sad <laughs> and frustrating 
that players like Story and Arenado have moved on and that I even have to ask this question at all. You know, it's been a long time since I've had to ask. Or or if you did ask the question, who's the Rockies MVP, it was because you were battling back and forth between Cargo and Tulo or Nolan and Trevor or Nolan, Trevor and Charlie. And now you're like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. It could be any one of the people I've mentioned here. It could be Connor Joe. What do I know? <laughs> you know, it could be Elias Diaz, who suddenly is a catcher who could be a 20-plus home run guy, or he could go the other way as well. You know, what if Austin Gomber really is all that and in his second year really puts things together and takes the dominance he found at Coors Field out on the road with him, and he becomes one of those guys. Uh, There are rookies who are set to make their debut who, again, we don't know. We, We didn't know. As much as there's a lot of predicting and evaluating and some guys are predicted to be stars and become stars, that does happen sometimes. But it's a lot more frequent that we just don't really know for sure. And if Eleuteros Montero or Colton Welker or Ryan Valade or Ryan Rollison are given opportunities they've never gotten before and for whatever reason it all clicks with them as an athlete, those guys could end up being huge difference makers for the Rockies. Eleuteros Montero is somebody in particular that I think has the potential to be a guy, to be a dude, (laughs) as they say. So, yeah, that's why on the one hand, it's frustrating to think, man, the Rockies don't have any star players. And they may well not. They may well not have a single star player. It might be one of those seasons where their only all-star representative is just some relief pitcher or just whoever is, you know, just some rando because nobody's actually deserving to be in the all-star game, but obviously everyone gets a representative, but it could also be the case that any number of these players emerge or bounce back or finally take that next step in the case of guys like Marquez and Ryan McMahon, who I feel like have been teetering on greatness for a while, like to see them put it all together would be so much fun. So there's an excitement that comes with not knowing who the best player is going to be. And I, for one, really hope that we can get a nice, new, happy, fair CBA. <laughs> I had to mention it one last time. So that we can get out there and play some baseball and find out. Thank you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're listening to all the other podcasts on the Mile High Sports Network and you're checking out all of the written content there at milehighsports.com. Thank you all for being absolutely awesome out there. I have been absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.